everyone, Kitty here. Before we dive into the podcast, I wanted to give you a couple of reminders. The first is that we touch on a lot of sensitive subjects that could be possible emotional and trauma triggers for people. If there are any topics that you're sensitive to, we recommend that before you watch any of the movies or listen to our podcasts, you check the website doesthedogdie.com. Also, this podcast is not kid-friendly and not safe for work. Please listen responsibly. Finally, this podcast contains spoilers. If you're like me and don't like spoilers, please watch the movie before listening. Thank you, and happy haunting. This is Hounds of Horror with Max. Uh, what is a non-fatal murder? <laughs> Victor. No, you're no, stupid. It doesn't matter how close you live to your house. But anyway. <laughs> and Kitty. That's a lot. a lot of words for I'm trying something instead of porn. <laughs> Anyway. Anyway. I'm Victor. I'm Max. And I'm Kitty. And this is our podcast, Hounds of Horror, where the three of us come together and discuss horror movies, even though we have no idea what we're talking about. (laughs) Except we've been watching horror movies for a good chunk of our lives. (laughs) And Um, talking about them also for a good chunk of our lives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Complaining, mostly. (laughs) Recommending, suggesting. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, we will do older horror movies, current horror movies, and maybe even some that haven't been made yet. I bet I can write a predictive script. That would actually be really funny. Well, we'll try. What? Okay, maybe we can do that as a challenge. Like, maybe we can look at a horror movie that's coming out in a couple of months, and we can each do a general outline for how we think it's going to go. And, like, we'll give ourselves a point system <laughs> for everything we think we can get right. Oh, it's like fantasy football, but fun. Yes. Oh my god, that's amazing. But fun. <laughs> exactly. This week we watched The Curse of La Llorona. It is a 2019 movie starring Linda Cardellini, Raymond Cruz, and Patricia Velasquez, um, and Marisol Ramirez as La Llorona. Yes. It was directed by Michael Chavez and written by Mickey Daughtry and Tobias Iconis. I I I icon I I don't know how to pronounce that, so we're just gonna move on. <laughs> You're not professional. <laughs> just so you know. Just to reiterate. No, the plot summary on IMDb is ignoring the eerie warning of a troubled mother suspected of child endangerment a social worker and her own small kids are soon drawn into a frightening supernatural realm and as usual at this point we urge you to stop the podcast and go watch the movie if you haven't already because from this point forward we are going to be discussing a lot of spoilers. La Llorona that's two L's. L-A space L-L-O-R-O-N-A. Yeah, be careful not to get... This one is specifically called The Curse of... The Curse of La Llorona. Yeah. Wait, is it L-L-O-R-O-N-A or L-L-O-R-N-A? Llorona. Okay. L-L-O-R-O-N-A. My Llorona. <laughs> Very um, different song that way. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Linda Cardinelli, Car- Cardellini, uh, <laughs> she played Anna in La Llorona. She was Velma. From Scooby-Doo. Oh. Yes. Indeed. Which was a lot older movie than I thought it was, but... Yeah, uh, I think I was in high school whenever that came out. What year did it come out? 2002, I believe. Okay, I was maybe even still in middle school. Uh, yeah. And, I mean, she'd been in a lot of other stuff, too. Uh, a lot of the, the main actors have all been in a lot of things. Raymond Cruz played Raphael Olvera, the... Uh, ex-priest shaman, I suppose he is. Yes. That's a fair description, um, I'd say. Yeah. I think the current priest described him as a shaman. Uh, I believe you're right. And he, I mean, in my memory, I know him best as Tuco Salamanca from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Yeah. The very 
intimidating and sinister drug dealing cartel member. More than a little crazy. More than a little crazy. I've not seen either of those, but I can see that. Uh, yeah. He, he cuts a very imposing figure in those shows, and to see him in this role, he's definitely, like, very mild-mannered in this one. Almost, I won't say down-to-earth, but <laughs> approachable, perhaps? <laughs> More approachable than a cartel member? Yeah. Unmurderous, I guess, would be a good word. And then also, like you said, Patricia Velasquez played Patricia Alvarez in the movie. And I know her best as Anaxuna Moon from The Mummy. Yeah. We need to pause for a second. She was my first girl crush when oh. I was younger. Oh. Like, my first, like, okay, maybe I could be a little gay. Because <laughs> she's very pretty, and I love her. She is exceptionally pretty. Yeah. And definitely a face that you just can't ever forget. Which and Especially when she's playing the lovely and mysterious Anaxuna Moon. It was just great. So it was super cool to see her. I'm really glad. What were you going to say, Victor? Um, I was just going to say that it just kind of speaks volumes to the um, makeup team on this movie because they actually made her look very distressed and very... Homely? Um, I, I wasn't going to say homely. I, I just mean like distressed and strung out and just ragged. Like they made her look like you could look at her and she looked like she was like 10 years older than what she should have been. Yeah. So I'm sure they had a lot of work to do to do that too. Uh, Raymond Cruz, he was also in movies like um, I believe it was called Alien Resurrection. It's the one where the alien like is made partially of Ripley's DNA. Memory serves. And he was also in Training Day and stuff like that. Anna and Patricia are both parents, single mothers of haunted children or cursed children. Well, technically Anna's weren't until after she went to but deal they're, with... they're still cursed. Yes, like later. I, I mean, uh, yes, you're right. Uh, I, didn't, but, I didn't know if you were speaking specifically about the beginning of the movie or not. So. Well, maybe you didn't let me finish. I don't know. But we'll <laughs> never know. Never, ever. Uh, <laughs> one of my issues with this right in the beginning was like, Patricia is under the observation of the Child Protective Services, and they show up at her door because she hasn't called in or heard from them or something, and she has her children locked in a closet. Right. <laughs> so I understand what that looks like, and normally I would say, yeah, it's a cause for concern, and she doesn't really make herself clear about what's happening, but Anna doesn't listen at all. Doesn't care what the explanation is at all, and kind of kicks off the whole thing. I also, something that, like, I kind of need to point out, this took place in 1973, which... <sighs> Yes, Child Protective Services was around then. Yes, Child Protective Services did their job most of the time then. But they also, I feel like, weren't as intense about things. And, like, I don't know. Obviously, she was having a complete psychotic break. But, like, I don't know. I just don't know how much the school would have really paid attention to her kids not coming and that kind of a thing. Actually, no. So, a part of my issue was... <sighs> the cop not going in with her. Her being all like, oh, well, like, you can't come in with me because she doesn't trust you. And, okay, he didn't come in with her, fine, but she very quickly realizes that things aren't okay and very quickly realizes that this woman has lost her mind <laughs> and doesn't, like, signal the cop to come in or anything. She just leaves him in the hallway. Yeah, which I don't think is a smart move ever. Hmm. No, Although it didn't give him an opportunity to do any of the classical cop stuff that they do in horror movies, so yeah. maybe that's okay. And something that's kind of a running theme throughout is the fact that Anna, she is the wife of a deceased cop, and she seems to have no sense of self-preservation. Like, not the amount of self-preservation that a widowed cop's wife would have. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. It happens a couple of times, and... From a, and this is where, like, I know that I get a little bit more into this than you guys do, but I was 
really bothered by the clunky writing of that scene where they're standing outside the door and she says about going in and how she doesn't want the cop to go in with her. And then uh, he has to tell her who her husband was and how he died. And the idea there is that he's telling her and by extension telling us too and being like, oh, I can't let the, you know, you're the wife of a, you know, a police officer go in alone. Like, you should know better. Like, okay, yeah, she should, I, I guess, sure. But like, I just hate the way that that clunky dialogue is delivered. It could have just very simply been, I don't want you to go in on your own, it could be dangerous, and have her say no and you know convince him otherwise. And the idea that we need to be told that her husband's dead is a valid point. However, this scene, very shortly after that, of her son playing in the study and like wearing his dad's hat and pretending to play uh, cops and robbers or whatever he's doing, like that scene on its own would have worked beautifully to tell us that the father was a police officer and that he's been killed in action. Like it very obviously would have played itself just fine and that one simple scene of that cop doing, like, delivering his clunky dialogue about, you know, the exposition delivery did not need to be in there at all. Really quickly, I would like to rewind a little bit to the, the very, very beginning of the movie, which was the, the cut scene where they kind of give just a little bit of exp exposition on uh, La Llorona, where she, there's this woman, like, dancing in a field with her two children and her significant other, and then all of a sudden it kind of cuts weird and the little boy starts chasing after her and, like, looking for her, and he finds her and she's drowning his brother in the river, and then she catches him and drowns him in right. the river as well. And that's where the movie starts and where it they start kind of giving you a little bit of the lore of La Llorona. And I wanted to discuss a little bit, actually, um, the story of La Llorona, the, the weeping woman, is the equivalent of Hispanic boogeyman, basically. It's what parents would tell their kids whenever their kids were being bad or staying out too late or that kind of a thing. Like, oh, better not like be out past dark. You better come home by curfew or else La Llorona is going to get a hold of you and <laughs> like she'll, she'll drown you in the river. And the story that we eventually get, I think we get it from, we either get it from the pre or from Raphael, I can't remember which one, where they describe what the story of La Llorona is. And basically, this woman who was essentially a, a peasant, she lived in a very poor town and didn't have a lot of money, uh, a nobleman comes into town and he falls in love with her. Like, the story is that he is stopped dead in his tracks by her because she's so beautiful. And I'm pretty sure that was the priest that told this story. Yeah, I think so. And she's just, like, the most beautiful thing that he's ever seen, and he falls in love with her, and he proposes, and they get married, and they have these two beautiful children. And then she starts to get older, and he's going off on these trips, whatever he does it requires him to travel and his time away from the home slowly becomes more and more and more and one day he comes back to the village and he's met a younger woman and <gasps> the the weeping woman is so consumed with her grief that she takes the only two things that are of any value to him his two children and she kills them and then it's a totally reasonable reaction definitely yeah. like i'll get to to my issues with that in a little bit um but but then she this will teach him yeah she realizes what she's done and she realizes that hey i also killed my children <laughs> and searches for them in the river and cannot find them because the river has already swept them away yeah and so she like gets rivers do yes like rivers do <laughs> as they so often do and she gets to the pearly gates of heaven and is not permitted in because she can't account for the whereabouts of her children so she is 
sent back to Earth and, like, her soul, her spirit is sent back to Earth and forced to wander the planet searching for her children. And so she finds children and she kind of takes them as surrogates to her own children and she kills them over and over again and this keeps repeating. Now, most of that was what they explained in the movie, but there was also another part of it that they didn't really explain. One interesting thing is that they say that whenever her cries are further away, that actually, like, the closer she is. So if they start out really loud and they start to get more distant, that means she's getting closer to you. Ooh, I missed that part. Um, That was not in the movie. That was something that I found online. Oh, All of my information came from Wikipedia, so I don't know how um, accurate it is. It's all true. Um, It's a bit more accurate than most people think. And in general, her... Her cries, if you hear them, will bring you misfortune or death. They don't necessarily mean that she's going to kill you. They mean that something bad is going to happen to you. I kind of feel like death is probably the greatest misfortune. (laughs) It depends on maybe who you are as a person. Yeah. What you got going on at that moment, I suppose. Would losing your pen be misfortune? Um, I, I, how if it's important, a special pen. How important is the pen to you? Because maybe it wouldn't be so bad <laughs> to hear La Llorona. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You realize there's a hole in your pocket and you've lost your card case. But I guess that there have also been records that um, La Llorona, La Llorona is actually La Malinte. And I may be completely butchering that because it's spelled M-A-L-I-N-C-H-E. But the phonetic spelling that I found of it was Malente. They're sometimes compared as the same person. And she was actually a Nahua woman who was... A Nahua? A Nahua. 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 Woman. A a native woman who was traded to the Spanish conquistador Hernan Cortes during the Spanish conquest. (laughs) She was one of 20 women who was in the slave trade that was traded to him whenever he came over um, from Europe. And... She actually mothered one of his sons, and there's no proof or really anything in history that says that she killed him. His name is Martin. Um, there's no proof that she she killed their son, but there have been conversations that she was actually the weeping woman. I mean, that sounds less like a legend, perhaps. More yeah. of a something that could have happened. Yeah. Like more of a historical documentation. Yeah. Perhaps. So... <laughs> um, so essentially, what you're saying is that this is more or less kind of the same way that Bloody Mary has multiple different interpretations of its origins and what it actually, the, the spirit actually came from and where it actually got started. Yes. Okay. And the, according to the movie, the origin story of La Llorona started in the 1600s, which I don't think that their clothing was period. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Do you I'm mean wrong. her tattered rags or do you mean for 1970s? No, no for, the, for the 1600s. Like the clothing that she and her two sons and the noblemen were wearing, they didn't look period to me. Again, I could be wrong. I I tried to look it up, but I couldn't find very good depictions of men's clothing from that time period in Mexico. So if you're listening to this podcast and you are perhaps an expert on uh, ancient clothing, um, (laughs) please write in and let us know how far off the mark we are with that. It's called linenology, I think. Yes, that is (laughs) definitely what it it is called. But yeah, it's called photography. Oh, that too. Yeah, that's a different um, branch of linenography. Wait, uh, linenology. (laughs) (laughs) What did you say? (laughs) Um, But yeah, so that was basically all of the information that I could find. There was more um, attached to it, but those were the key points there about the lore surrounding this woman. Kitty, why don't you write a book about it? (laughs) I could. (laughs) 
So we have the lore down, uh, and we have established their clothing may or may not have been accurate. For the 1600s. And not for the 1970s. I think that that was pretty fair. <laughs> I, I, well, I mean, yeah. Having your pants buttoned up to your chest was still pretty popular back then. Anna mm, disrupts Patricia trying to save her children. Pretty much. She said something like, one more night. They only need one more night. Locked in the closet. And then they're safe from La Llorona. Uh, was it because um, Raphael was coming? Did they ever establish why? Uh, I don't think so. No. I have I have notes about him later on in the movie. But she never explains why they would be safe after that, that last night in yeah. the house. No. She never does explain that. No, as far as I know, I was kind of wondering about that too. If there was like some kind of curse where after a certain time she moves on, or she finds new targets after like the third night, if she can't get her current prey. But no, there was no explanation specifically about it. But they did later show him before the priest talks about Raphael. They do show him coming into her house after the boys have been taken and scraping up ectoplasm. It's her tears. It's definitely ectoplasm. It's her tears. They're awfully gooey. He says they're her tears. Yeah, but they're awfully gooey. I'm not saying it's not ectoplasm. I'm just saying... It can be both. Why not both? (laughs) Both. Both is good. Fine! Alright, so, her ectoplasm tears. He is (laughs) scraping them up later, but that's one of the problems I had. Uh, When they go to see him and vaguely describe what's going on with him, he goes, that's a problem for the church. That's church business. But we did... Literally, just the scene before that, he is in the apartment, like, investigating this La Llorona stuff. I'm thinking that a part of it has to do with the fact that maybe he saw her talking to the priest the day before. Because he brings that up awkwardly in conversation later, and you and I had a discussion about how it sounded really out of place. Like, we were like, why did he need to say that? Because he was like, oh, I saw you talking with Father... Who's a what's it? I can't remember his name. I don't remember his name either. Um, And (laughs) it just seemed very weird. So maybe that was why he was reluctant. Was he reluctant or recalcitrant? That's a very large word and I don't know what it means. (laughs) Pretty much the same thing. (laughs) I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So at any rate, he reluctantly or recalcitrantly decides to help. No, reluctantly. Because of the adorable little girl. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. She smiled at him and he was like, oh, shoot, I can't leave you guys out there in the cold. In the goo. (laughs) In the goo. I do agree, though. Like, it's, it's for whatever their motivations are, it wasn't super clear. Um, it's one of a couple of different points in this movie where I feel like character motivations are not really well defined, and it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense as to why he is not okay with it, and then all of a sudden he's okay with it. Like, he tells her church business. But a different area that I was really frustrated with as far as character motivations are, why weren't the kids honest with her at any point until it got super serious, other than because the screenwriters needed them not to be honest? That family can't talk about shit. <laughs> no. Like, they have what? such communication problems. She and... lied to them, too. Like, they all fucking lied to each other about it. And, like, first the son was like, oh, nothing happened. And then the daughter was like, oh, nothing happened. And then the mom sees her and is like, get out of my house. And is like, <laughs> it's okay, go back to bed, everything's fine. Like, no, it's not. No, they've all suffered third-degree burns on their arms because of this malediction. And whatever. What else happened? Well, I mean, there's occasional drowning attempts and this and that and the other thing. General hauntings. General hauntings. We might be getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here. Um... In the sense, we skipped a whole chunk of the movie. Which was? The boys getting taken and going into the home? Like, whatever that uh, place was? Yeah, like, it looked like a that. fucking juvenile detention center, which is some bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it was like a prison like, for kids. And why? Because they got taken from their mom? Like... <laughs> I think that it was supposed to be a... Um, oh, I have the name of it in my head. Now it's gone. Not halfway house. 
<laughs> I, I thought you were thinking halfway house, and I was no. like, please don't say halfway house. No, it's it's like a, an an interim, I guess maybe before they can find a foster home, like a yeah. state, a state home, like they. I yeah, can't okay. What it's, called. it's called state prison. Uh, basically, I mean, they had a guard checking it's on a them. They had a guard it's... checking on them and loudly banging the door open while they're trying to sleep. Yeah, he was pretty loud about yeah. it. And they had mirrors in the hallways. <laughs> and also, where did that guard go? Because it was like five seconds later, and the one kid gets up and starts walking out of the, the Tomas. door. Tomas. Yeah. Tomas. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tomas. He's not there anymore because they don't need him to be there, so he was right away. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what was the other boy's name? Carlos. That scene of Carlos following Tomas in the hallways actually was very reminiscent to me of the scene in um, Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. Hell House or Hill House? Hill House. Did I say Hell House? I don't remember. Um, <laughs> of um, Hugh following Olivia in the hallway while she's like sleepwalking and like the windows get shattered the night of the storm. He like she's in like a like a catatonic state and she's like walking through the hallways and every time he turns a corner she's like super far away from him but she's walking really slow. <laughs> That's kind of what the Carlos Tomas scene felt like to me. The Carlos Tomas paradigm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's not the first time that that scene has been done and it's not the first time that that's been done in that way where a subject that seems to be moving slowly is suddenly like has some type of supernatural or teleportation type speed which I guess he was in some kind of a sleep walking type trance i guess is what they were going for they talked about it with the little girl after she got got by la llorona he said that (laughs) um after she had almost been drowned she went into like this weird state where she would hear la llorona weeping and she would start to follow the sound because she was under her control well now you're skipping ahead i I was explaining no i was explaining that they explained it later like what was going on you were explaining the explanation yes Mm -hmm. gosh and then that's the point at which the boys unfortunately end up in the river they were unfortunately killed yeah yes how did they end up in the river too by the way i wondered that myself i mean she has some pretty wicked strong powers like horribly ill-defined yes she can crack mirrors <laughs> because of reasons and, it's, and it's she can face. do backflips <laughs> like it's her face really like, good she, <laughs> she sees her reflection and she like freaks out and that's what breaks the mirrors okay i mean sure i guess i just wasn't smart enough to figure that out i just uh, there's a lot of things in this movie that like she is apparently Storm from X-Men. She can, yes. you know, control the weather, yeah. specifically wind, lots of times, and really strong. Although she's the only ghost I've ever heard of that you can keep out by shutting the fucking door. No, you have to put seeds along the door. No, no, because at the back door, they, they were just trying to board that up, remember? Yeah, it's they only had to block one one entryway into the house with she some She can only seeds. come in the front door, guys. Why was she banging on the... Okay. <laughs> We'll let that bar um, go by. Oh, shut the front door. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got really annoyed with the scene with them down down by the river. <laughs> Whenever they, they're looking at the boys and I wrote, fucking shithead kid got out of the car. I, I was pissed. I, I didn't write like, that exact thing, but I was like, that fucking kid. Like... <laughs> I was like, why? Like, yeah, he wants to be this big bad cop like his dad, but come on. Yes. Uh, oh, I was so annoyed. But and, I mean, that happens more than once throughout the whole movie. And not just the kids, but like the adults too. Yeah. Nobody 
is fucking listening to anybody that's trying to help anybody. Yeah. And, yeah, it's super frustrating. They're also not talking to each other about anything ever. <laughs> um, if there was a ghost in this room right now, we'd be fucking talking about it. Uh, like, and that's, I, I kind of appreciated, though, that they didn't go with the typical trope of, like, the kids are experiencing something, they tell their mom, their mom's like, you're imagining it. <laughs> like, I did appreciate that, because I get so sick of, especially wives telling their husbands in movies that, like, they're experiencing some paranormal shit, and the husbands are like, you're crazy, it's hysteria, <laughs> go have your uterus removed, like... <laughs> It's super frustrating, and I get real tired of it real fast. So them just not talking about it, I guess, is a better way to go about it, but it was still annoying. Although, if your uterus is what's haunted, that could just be the answer. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very specific curse. I'm writing a movie. (laughs) There you go. There's your script. (laughs) What was that one about the, like, haunted vagina that came out a while ago? Teeth? Yeah, teeth. (laughs) I don't know that that was haunted so, so much as that was mutated weird. Let's, I don't even want to talk about it. Yeah, anymore. no, let's move on. I think it was more of a, a social piece, social commentary, but let's not get into it. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I shouldn't talk about it. Um, it's it's exactly what you think it is. Like it's got some. Teeth. If you had a mental image of it, boom, you got it. Like anyway, anyway, yeah. I think that there's a lot of times in this movie where there's some pretty um, cheap writing where they they cut some corners pretty drastically like for example the kid gets out of the car because he gets out of the car but i do really like the way that that scene plays out like her crying like it doesn't sound um at first i thought it was going to be a misdirect like i thought it was going to be a homeless woman crying we're all gonna be like oh no it's it's the ghost and like he's gonna go over and it's gonna be a homeless woman or something like that and she was gonna be crazy and like yeah real fast and we were all gonna be like oh no it's okay to be a jump scare no like to their credit it really was her she was crying and she was creepy. Like she her was head, terrified. her head she snapped was up, and like she slowly got up, and then she talks to him all sweetly, and like she calls him little boy, and um, uh, well, she calls him uh, El Nino, Mijo. but um, she doesn't call him El Nino. She El calls Nino. him Mijo. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, like to remind everyone that I am a native Spanish speaker. Uh, oh my god! Well, she does whisper sweet nothings to him, she does. as she a mother does. would do. She sounds either. very sweet about it, and then she like comes up to the fence, and we were all like, "Oh, she's gonna face through the fence." She's gonna, "Oh, she faces through the fence," and then she's there, and it was it was creepy. Yeah. Like that scene played out really well, and I I really liked how creepy it was, even if it was kind of lazy writing to sort of get the kid there. That was actually one of the things that was said in the lore that she walks around asking, where are my boys? Where are my children? Um, um, and so they, they kept that in there. So that was kind of cool. But no, that was, despite <laughs> how it got there, it was a creepy scene. She's done that since the 1600s? Apparently. So maybe back then, somebody would have been like, well, miss, I'm not sure where your kids are. Nowadays, if she was walking down the street in ghost form, going, where are my children? Nobody gives a shit. People are like, lady, get the hell away from her. <laughs> Call 911 and be like, hey, there's some crazy lady down here that needs some help. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. And that was, specifically, it also said that she looked for children who were wandering off by themselves and on Ugh. their own. And so they actually did a pretty good job with that, too. So, um, And also, the car scene with the fucking crank windows, because this is the 70s and they didn't have electricity <laughs> in their cars. Oh my god. They didn't have ele- yes, they had electricity. Well, shut up, in their you know cars. what I mean. They didn't have, like, <laughs> electric windows. Steam power. Let's get the old horse, <laughs> half horsepower engine out and. Tiny horse We'll crank it up and we'll. <laughs> shut up, you knew what I meant. 
Um, but that does, I mean, that, that's a, a good point that brings us to another one of her ill-defined powers. Telekinesis? Or some kind of, like, ghostly manipulation of, of some kind? Because and why reasons? She, why did she have to roll down the window? <laughs> right. She could face through fences, not glass, door. guys. No, but she was obviously, like, a part of her was in the car rolling the window down. You don't know that. You mean it could have been... I don't know. <laughs> I also, for a second, I actually thought that um, she only affected little boys. Um, yeah, I did Because, too. like, whenever he first comes back to the car, he sees her outside the window, and his sister doesn't. Like, she does Samantha? not. Sam, mm. yeah. She mm. she doesn't see the woman. She's just like, what is your problem? And she's, like, looking at him like he's crazy. And he seems to be the only one that can see her, and I was like, does this only affect boys? Is this poor child going to be the only one that sees her? <laughs> But obviously that wasn't the case. Obvi. <laughs> At any rate, I, I don't know how far ahead you want to skip now, because we already talked about some of it. Um, hold on. Let me look at my notes real quick. <sighs> While you look at um, your notes, I'm going to... Oh, I actually had a question um, about the, the lore that wasn't... It wasn't really described much on the four paragraphs of Wikipedia that I read. <laughs> um, and they didn't talk about it. In the movie, I think I was like, trying not to like squeak. And whether or not Chris would have been a target if she hadn't seen him. And later, Patricia's character said that she prayed to La Yorona asking for her to come after um, Anna's kids. Correct. But... Which is a badass thing to do. Yeah, like... Yeah. Um, but I'm wondering like, if she hadn't seen him down by the river, if any of it would have happened. Why does it sound like a folk song now? <laughs> All I can think about is Chris Farley. In a van <laughs> down by the river. There probably was a CSI van down by the river. <laughs> I, I, I thought about that too. And I came to the conclusion that it didn't matter that he was out there alone. Because at that point, the curse had already moved on to them. Yeah. I'm of the belief of that. Because I think she kind of transferred it. Like, whenever you see her, like, glaring at Anna's kids through the car window, I think that's her, like, transferring the curse. They also didn't explain how she was there, because she had been arrested already. Yeah. And, and then they're shoving her in the cop car again. It's like... She hadn't been arrested. They had said that they had to let her go. Or no, no, no. That was later. That she, was later, yeah. Cause no, she, yeah her she, alibi was rock solid, because she was in jail when her kids were... She killed. literally attacks a woman with a, a knife or something and has to be subdued by a Hammer. police officer. Hammer. Like, I don't know why I keep thinking knife, because I got correct about this the other night. So she literally attacks someone... With what seems to be the intent to do harm, with a, an object that can do harm, and is has to be subdued by a police officer. Like that minimum requires a psyche eval. Like, well, I don't know. This was the seventies, so I guess maybe not. <laughs> yeah. But then again, I mean, I don't know. I, I think I, it is a little bit confusing about the timeline because they did say at one point that she, the cop, came over. Uh-huh. And said that they had to let her go mm-hmm. because they didn't have enough to hold her. Yeah. But that was after Anna had gone to see her in the prison. Yes. That he says that they don't have enough to hold her on the murders. <laughs> Just on a side note, I don't think the way we're discussing this movie is making the timeline any clearer. No. No, so. not at all. <laughs> we're going so back to the really beginning. You really need to have watched this movie to understand the podcast. <laughs> yeah. They say at one point that she had a solid alibi because she was in the church the night that the murders occurred. And that's why they had to let her go. So she wasn't in jail whenever that happened. But Did they... why not? Right. <laughs> I mean, it was assault with a deadly weapon. It was, but it was also the 70s. Uh, what? 
Okay. Murder has been illegal since. <laughs> but it wasn't murder at the time. It was just an assault. Attempted like, murder. Okay. But, um, and then I'm actually going to kind of come back a little bit because shortly after all of that shit goes down, Anna goes to the, I think it was a memorial for the boys. And they're, that, that, that's where we first meet Raphael, and he's doing the smudgings mm-hmm. oh, yeah. um, of the people with the sage. And that's where she meets the priest. And I, I wrote down, priesty, creepy, creepy priest actor always plays that character. And then I realized why he always plays that character, because then shortly after that, we discover that La Llorona is a part of the Conjuring Extended Universe. Which I'm sure other people probably knew, but we kind of went into this blind, and I didn't know that. And he had actually been in one of the Annabelle movies. Uh, I am going to uh, disagree. I don't think the priest was creepy. Just he, he, he kind of more... has like a gaunt face, and like he always kind of looks a little off-putting. <laughs> okay. Also, priests creep me out in general. Uh, well, fine. Well, that's you know. <laughs> but he, I thought he was very good as the priest because he seemed very genial and down to earth and yeah you know willing yeah. to give some soft words of advice and sure yeah he just kind of popped up out of nowhere though and i was like Bah! like <laughs> where did you come from <laughs> but i mean that's just like the you know the person giving exposition to explain to the character who we've attached to what's going on because we don't know what's going on just like she doesn't yeah that's where he, he i did write down of course priest knows about la llorona so he was the one that described it to her um like the lore to her I mean, it was the 70s. And this is where I... <laughs> yeah, it was the 70s. Stuff was different back then. Yeah. Murder, Everybody knew everything creepy back Creepy priests. Yeah. You can threaten someone... You can intend to threaten someone with a hammer. <laughs> this is where I'm going to go off on my tangent. And they give you five days in the chain gang. About La Llorona and about her origin story. Because a sane person does not just kill their children because they're mad at their partner. <laughs> right. Ever. Literally ever. Never in the history of ever has that ever happened. They have to have a few screws loosed first before they do that. That being said, they don't talk about that. They're just like, oh yeah, she was scorned and so she killed her children. No, that's not why she killed her children. She killed her children because she was crazy. No, they did mention she killed them to hurt her cheating. You know, that's the only reason they gave though. Oh. They weren't like, oh no, she was like kind of crazy. Like they were like, no, she was just sad. Oh, she was just and so spiteful. she killed her children. Okay, <laughs> all right. Mothers don't do that. As a mother, I would never do that. Fathers don't do that either. No, <laughs> <laughs> unless they're already a little bit crazy or a little bit evil. Right. Like, there are some people who are just so removed from their emotions that they don't give a shit, and they literally just want to hurt another person that bad that it doesn't matter to them. But a person who is whose baseline relatively normal is not going to kill their own children just because their lover made them sad. Agreed. Um, I mean, yeah, and that's unfortunately just kind of a, that sort of antiquated notion that, like, hell hath no fury like that of a woman scorned and she'll do literally anything to exact her own idea of justice which is an extremely um, sexist way of looking at that situation and I get where you're coming from but I don't think it's any lazier than any of the other writing in this movie no (laughs) not at all I just Um, took it very offensively like as a mom like them just being like well he pissed her off like no (laughs) bitch was crazy yeah I mean I I think it, it Maybe if they had spent just a couple more minutes leading up to it, explaining that maybe there was lots of little things that he did, like 
slowly chipping away at her sanity, like... Like not putting caps back on pens. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Definitely or one of those things. Leaving the dishes, Hiding the big scissors. Leaving the dishes out, and then you get ants, because that's how you get ants. Stealing, <laughs> stealing the scissors that, you know, she specifically bought for her fabric. To that she the specifically bought and put upstairs, and her, her partner took them. She took them downstairs. He took them downstairs. That he definitely... used them to cut a metal tag, and now... They just won't cut cloth. They're ruined forever. The linenology is just ruined. You go to you go to cut them, and the, the scissor, uh, the what are they called? The two sides, the arms of the scissors. They go on either side of what you're cutting <laughs> instead of through it, and you're they're ruined. I so, think it's called a scissor mm-hmm. because it's a pair of scissors. Yes. All right. So, so I think each side is a scissor. I think we should start talking about something else in the <laughs> podcast. We're gonna start talking about tools. Um, but also don't use fabric scissors on anything but fabric. It ruins them. Mm-hmm. So anyway, and then you go nuts. Anyway, it's a whole if, big thing. If they had I let up kill to somebody it, over that. <laughs> if they had led up to it a little bit more, I think that I agree. But I'm I'm not gonna give that particular scene any more of a hard time than any of the other scenes in the movie. Yes, I think the implications there that women are inherently. Uh, just bubbling under the surface of insanity, waiting for one precursor, stereotypically a dude, to do something to them that sends them over the edge is an extremely frustrating trope that is well overdone in movies. Um, but I don't think that it's any lazier than anything else in this movie. I get grumpy. Yeah, Aren't we weird. all just bubbling under the surface? You are all the time. <laughs> I'm simmering. It's different. No. Simmering or smoldering. You're, bu- a lot of times you're full on bubbling. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so can we skip back? Why not? We already did. We'll skip ahead, I guess. I meant we were talking about them describing to Raphael the shaman slash ex priest. That's still skipping some stuff. Like what? Okay, like there's a lot of stuff before we meet Raphael. Like the but it kids must not have been that interesting. The kids get affected <laughs> for the first time before we meet Raphael. Well, okay, the little girls out there at the pool with her umbrella and all that. And of course, they have a pool. And also, why is she playing with her umbrella? And also, I don't know that they had those umbrellas in the 70s. Those are a big thing, like, now, those, like, ones that come down over you like that. But I feel like they weren't back then. Uh, I, I guess that's fair. Like, it should have had polka dots on it or something for it to have been an umbrella in the 70s. But I'm pretty sure they had the technology to create clear um, polyurethane. Yeah, no, no, I'm not talking about that, though. Like, I'm talking about the specific style. Like, it's like the bubble that comes down over your shoulders whenever you're holding it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Why is she visible through the umbrella and not otherwise? Like, why do you have to view her through a lens? I don't know. Or is that just her fucking with the little girl? That was actually really cool, though. I actually really liked that scene. That was on my list of cool effects. It was pretty cool, but I don't understand. I don't understand it. <laughs> yes, but and she was like, uh, uh, no, I'm not here. No, 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 no. Oh, no. Um, um, and I, there were a lot of things that I got annoyed about. Um, I know, but do we need to discuss every single like they're being haunted by La Llorona? Do we need to go through everything that happened with that? Like, well, no. She's just harassing them in general, and it gets worse and worse. But there are specific things that I wrote down that I wanted to talk about. Well, I specifically want to listen to them then. Um, so it's like a general morass of harassment. Yes. A morass of harassment. Say that ten times faster. Yeah. Morass of harassment. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I talked about, I wrote down about the drips of ectoplasm everywhere. Oh, also, I got, <laughs> I was sitting there <laughs> while I was watching it, and like, Vic was going out of town the next night, mm-hmm. or two nights after that, and I was like, why the fuck do we keep watching these right before he goes out of town? Because then I'm <laughs> stuck in the house by myself, and then, like, the last time there was the this weird thing with a package getting delivered, and then this time the dog started barking while I was trying to put the baby down, and, like, 
<sighs> it's enough to make my blood pressure go through the roof, and it's not good. And this is why we watch these movies, because we enjoy getting scared. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> But I also don't worth. like being scared when you're out of the house. <laughs> well, um, I mean, a stiff breeze scares you. Uh, one of the things that I did want to talk about before we got to Raphael was the fact that the daughter has this giant ornate mirror on her door that's literally just there for convenience. Like, for the convenience of the writers. Because it opens and you see La Llorona, like, the mom's down the hall, Anna's down the hall, and she sees Sam sleeping in her room, and the door starts to just shift slowly mm-hmm. on its own. Mm-hmm. And you see La Llorona in, in the mirror, and then Anna was like, blah, and starts running down the hall, and the door slams. And, like, the mirror cracks. <laughs> so you're saying that the mirror should have been on the other side of the door if it was a little girl's room? Not on the outside of the door, or just, just non-existent. Non-existent. Like it was a very weird. I disagree. Mirror to have on, <sighs> like period, but like on a door. Like I would never hang a heavy mirror like that on a door because it's going to fall. I've definitely seen it when I worked for the insurance company. By the way, everyone, I worked for an insurance company for about three years, and I was in a lot of people's houses, and I definitely took note on weird shit. Just a little heads up. Anyway, I definitely saw large, full-body mirrors, like you know, five feet tall. Um, okay, foot-wide mirrors put on the back of doors. Were they the real skinny, like the real thin ones, though? Like the ones that you can buy for $10 at Walmart? I mean, it depends. There's some decorative ones that people would put on the backs of doors, sure. Okay, well, because just if you're going to put a mirror on the back of a door, if it's heavy, if you shut that door too hard, it's going to fall and shatter. It's sure, a stupid thing to do. But people are stupid. That's fair. <laughs> but uh, my... Some people. Most people. Um, <laughs> we are stupid. Uh, we, yeah. I so, have, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking that, like, I feel like you're saying the main issue is that, that it was there at all. My issue is that it was on the wrong side of the door. I feel like it was kind of a weird place to have it, other than... I mean, it's a cool effect. It's a cool scene. Like, it, yeah. it looks cool, it but just was unnecessary. it doesn't really make sense there. The mirror um, was. And it was the moment, and it was like, oh, man, this shit's real. Yeah. <laughs> all um, those things our kids haven't talked to us about. Yeah. My kids haven't talked to us about. So the day after that, when she's... Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay, you're skipping. Good. Sorry. Because you're all about skipping, so... Yeah. I don't want to skip shit. It's important. My issue is, so we got this issue where she's in bed, hears a weird noise. Or no, she's uh, she's in her study, I guess, and hears a weird noise. She was in she, her room. She had all of the papers of the case spread out on her bed. She uh, was in her room studying. Um, <laughs> and she hears a weird noise downstairs. She goes downstairs, door closes oddly, and then she goes to, or unexpectedly, and goes to another room and finds the door, another room, another room. And then starts hearing weird stuff in her house. I don't care if you are the wife of a deceased cop or not, no one in their right mind is going to walk through their house hearing something that they think could be an intruder or an unidentified sound without some kind of a weapon, especially not the wife of a deceased cop. Because even if she was just the wife of a cop in general, I feel like she would know to be more more careful and more practical, but the wife of a deceased cop you would think would be a little bit more concerned about her own safety and especially her children's safety. And she doesn't pick up a weapon until she identifies that there is an intruder in her house. Like, she's walking all through her house, and there is no way that multiple doors are open in her house at one time. (laughs) And, like, until she sees that it's her kid, like, her guard is up, and she's walking around her house going, Hello? Well, she didn't actually do that until she went upstairs. She didn't, like... Because I actually appreciated that. I don't think that she called out until she... I thought she did when she was on the first floor, before she sees her son. Maybe she did, but I like I feel like I remember like whenever she was like came back upstairs, she saw all of the papers on the floor that had been on her bed mm. and she was like, Hello? Is there anybody here? My husband's a cop, he'll be home any minute. Like 
like a burglar and be like, yes, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's why I took note of it. mean to startle you. <laughs> I mean, um, Max and I had a friend growing up who had a really good point, and that was anytime that he thought someone was following him, he would say, is anyone there? I have a gun. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was kind of what she did. She said, hello, my husband's a cop and he's going to be here any second. Like That is that not warning. the same thing. It's not <laughs> I mean, the same I guess thing not, but... That's like, saying, at some point, someone may be back here and they might find you, versus, I have a weapon and I will kill you. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, that was my issue with that scene, was that I felt like she... And, like, it wouldn't have changed the movie at all. It wouldn't have been hard for them. Like, she picks up a baseball bat immediately and starts yeah. walking through her house with a baseball bat, instead of just, you know, walking through the house on her own. But then, the next day is when she goes to see Patricia. Oh, by the way, before that... Yeah, go When ahead. Cooper tells... Like... She's discussing the, the idea of going to talk to Patricia. Yeah. About this crap. And he gives her the case file and all that, yeah. Yeah, all that stuff. He says, he tells her, he doesn't think she'll be that willing to talk because she's mad at you. No shit! Like, you are responsible for the circumstances of her children's death. Yeah. She's a little more than mad. Yeah. Like, well, oh, she's a little mad. She's a little angry with you, yeah. Well, no, she says that she doesn't think she'll talk to hit, talk to her because of her being angry. And he says angry people talk. And so he's thinking that if he gets them in the same room, she'll get so pissed off that she'll say something. She'll slip up and she'll say something. I uh, guess. So again, that was the scene where like he was like, "That was the first thing your husband taught me." Like, okay, so wait, is he Why? is he a detective <laughs> or is he just a beat cop? Because he looked like in his pictures he was just uh, I don't, don't want to say just like all everyone in the police force is super important. I'm definitely not discounting any any of the efforts that any any of the police officers put in, but I feel like. Him saying that and being like, angry people talk. That was the first thing your husband taught me. Like, okay. How is that the first thing you learned at police academy? <laughs> angry people talk. That's rule number one. Not like, you know, rule check your firearm yeah. or wear your bulletproof vest. Or... <laughs> rule number two. Don't give your gun to bad guys. <laughs> yeah. Keep that with you. <laughs> rule number three. Here's all the good places to get coffee for free. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, so they have that whole conversation. Mm -hmm. Then she goes in, and it pissed me off because she goes into a locked room with this woman alone. Alone! Wait, are we back to this first scene again? No, 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 no. It's because they did it again. She did it again. I she, she went, was in cuffs that time. She might have been in cuffs, but she wasn't, like, fucking chained to the table or anything. Like, if she right. had wanted to, she could have probably done some harm. Well, I mean, it was the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It was. <laughs> and I also got mad because this is the second movie in a row that we've watched and we're talking about on our podcast where they have a bathtub scene. They have multiple in this one. And it made sense in this one because of the drowning. Well, I mean, it made sense in Mercy Black. I mean, there was water involved in that and... I guess. Well, just, maybe you can let me have it, you know? Also, it was a dream. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but I did think that was pretty great. Are we talking about the bathtub scene? Is that skipping ahead now? We're talking about the bathtub Sure, scene. okay. The bathtub scene I thought was pretty great, because me, if I were, you know, this, this phantasm, this horrible creature, and I was trying to murder these children by drowning them, and I went in and, like, crept up behind this child and was like, I'm going to spook her, and she's like... <laughs> I'm going to wash myself. It goes into the water. You're like, shit, my job's done. Like, all I got to do is hold her down. <laughs> rinsing. Yeah, rinsing. <laughs> like, literally just put my hand here. I'm like, I'm job done. 
Okay, something else I don't understand about that scene is, I do believe, was that right before when the mother asks Sam, where's your brother at? And she says, he's playing in daddy's office. And that's where she finds him, and then they end up having a conversation. And then seemingly, like, in the very next moment, the girl is in the tub in less than 30 seconds. Yeah, because, okay. he, like, she was talking to him because I, I got really annoyed. It was over halfway through the movie, and they were finally being honest with each other. <laughs> like, he finally tells her the truth. And, like, she doesn't lead with, I've been seeing some weird shit, too. Like, she just expects him to come out with the truth. <laughs> and that bothered me a lot. Like, as a parent, it's kind of your responsibility to... Ability, well, responsibility to lead with, I'll believe you. Like. I'm not going to be angry. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe maybe you don't start, if you're not sure what your kids are seeing, maybe yeah. you don't tell them exactly. there's a spook fucking haunting the house. <laughs> yeah, that's I guess. Good, that's a good point. Unless you want them to spend every night in your bed peeing in it. So <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's true. Never mind. I guess maybe... I'm not saying they intended it to be that way. Just it worked I out. I'm a way. different parent than other people. <laughs> Have you been seeing this terrifying ghoul haunting yes. the house that's trying to murder us? Oh, <laughs> Is this bitch trying to kill you. <laughs> There's uh, nothing you can do to stop it except scream, and that might help a little. So, love you. Good night. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and now's the point where she goes to the priest. Like she finally goes and talks to the priest, and he introduces her to Raphael. So we finally caught up to yes. where I. Oh my gosh. Yes. We skipped so much shit. Just okay. It was a good point. You're right. We did skip some shit. Well, sometimes you need a little shit skipping. So Okay. <laughs> I mean, in my memory, that whole span was a general haunting. <laughs> Things built to a crescendo, and they're like, oh shit, we better ask somebody who knows more than we do. <laughs> <laughs> so, they ask Raphael, the shaman ex-priest, for help. Shaman? Shaman. Whatever. <laughs> However you want to say it. Uh, Sigil? Sigil? <laughs> it is <Sigil>. Sigilalian. <laughs> so, they ask him for help, and he reluctantly agrees, as we decided. Right, yes. Uh, he agrees mostly because of the little girl. Yes. Um, here's where my anger at the movie started to build to a crescendo. There's always some stupid crap that happened, but they came to him for help. Right. Because they have no idea what to do. Right. <laughs> And they are immediately questioning his methods. And like, does this actually work? Like, when he's taking the eggs around? Yeah. Like, are we just going to rub eggs on everything? It's like, why don't you shut the hell up and do what he fucking tells you? And then he cracks it open and she's like, this is a trick. And then, yes! and then it explodes. <laughs> and he goes, ta-da. Yeah. yeah, that one delivery was like, you could put a stamp on that as... That's why he was picked to play this character. Yeah. That delivery perfect. of that line. He was. But, uh, that was perfect. They like did all the fucking rituals too. Yeah. Like he did smudging. He did the egg shit. Like they lit all of those candles. There was so much shit that he did. Was it just me or did it kind of feel like he didn't know what would work and was just kind of going oh, no, to see what would happen? Definitely was doing an experiment. That's okay. why he yeah. used the whole family's bait. Which that <laughs> line was also was great. great. Like she was like, "Did you just use my son as bait?" And he was like, "No." I used your whole family. And like... <laughs> That's ridiculous. <Yeah. laughs> I the whole family. Like, he's so earnest about it. Yeah, I think he was thing, just trying to cover all his bases. The yeah. one thing that I thought was really cool, and he did seem to know what he was talking about, was the fire trees. Mm. And the one line that he said was um, that the fire trees wept as La Yorona drowned her children. Yes. And they were the only witnesses to what she did. So that was why... To sins. They yes. worked. And so that was actually really cool. And I liked that lore, and I don't know if that's part of the 
the origin stories of the real La Llorona, but that's really cool. Yes, I'm just going to point out real quick that they could have saved a lot of time if they just would have made them into bullets. They would have made uh, fire tree bullets. Yes, if they would have made that cross <laughs> that they just whittled it down into bullets, they would have been good to go. But yeah. unfortunately, they didn't quite figure that out. Or, or arrows. Like, I feel like Short arrows stakes, because, yeah. You know? Okay, but frequently priests and or ex-priests don't walk around carrying any sort of firearm weaponry. Like, yeah. You know what my rebuttal's going to be? It was Why the 70s. Just... <laughs> it was... But during all of these scenes, we hit the pinnacle of the creepiness where she's coming down the stairs. Yes, that was very well done. Ooh, that was yes. super, um, the ambiance of that scene was very well done. Just because, like, you don't even, you just kind of see a faint outline of her on the stairs. And, like, just that, mm. that waiting and that anticipation. And, like, especially Anna is sitting there desperate to protect her children and just... That's all she wants is to protect her babies, and, like, she doesn't know if she can do that. And I think that's a big part of why it's so creepy to me, because she's seeing this doom, like, descend upon them and doesn't know how to handle it. All right, Sauron. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, I agree, but I have some thoughts on that. She's very concerned with defending her children from this spirit, and yet. (laughs) And yet. And yet. (laughs) It always seems like they ask these people to help them and disregard everything they are instructed to do. What did she disregard in that that specific instance? In that specific instance, nothing. Okay. okay. All right. Except he said the candles, if the flames are steady, it'll make it'll tell us that our wards are working. And the flames go out, and she goes, "You said they would protect us." He's like, "No, I didn't." Yeah. It's <laughs> not what I said. <laughs> Fucking Anna. But <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be frustrating as, like, a shaman with these, like, understanding of magics. And she's like, you said they protect us. And he's like, oh, God. No, I didn't say that. Fire doesn't protect you. Yeah. See, Jesus. when I actually said one. <laughs> but, okay, so there's the, the scene with the candles and everything, and it ends up not working. Or whatever they were trying wasn't working. And she gets knocked the fuck out. She does. And... I guess, what, the kids hide under the table then. Yeah. And she's being all creepy about that. And, and the boy gets taken. Doing some table squatting. That uh, was actually kind of cool, too, the, the tablecloth lifting up behind them. It was creepy. But I guess they... I forget how they get her out of the house at that point. Doesn't he hit her with the holy spit? Yes. And he does. She... Or the holy tears that he, he sanctified. Yeah. He waits for her to try to drag the boy out of the front door right. and grabs his hand and pauses just long enough for him to throw it into her face. And she is banished out of the door and that's when he spreads the fire tree seeds at yes. the base of the door. Correct. Yes. yes. And here's where, again, like I said, at this point my my frustration was getting ratcheted up a couple notches because he says to everybody, she'll do anything to get back in the house. Yeah. You cannot break the line on the front door. Also, you shouldn't stick any part of your body past that line. No! You dumb bitch. <laughs> How? And, okay, I get it. She's a little girl, what, maybe 10 years old? Yeah. Something like that? Rough, she, yeah. she wants her dolly. I understand that. Misty. Like, <laughs> little girls, and even little boys, whoever, they have an attachment to these toys. Like, they, they think they're real things or they, whatever. Yeah. I get it. But she has seen La Llorona. Yeah, she knows she's out. She out has been house. scared shitless by that ghost. She was almost drowned by her. So, I understand your doll is right on the front porch, just out of your reach. Why would you go get it? 
the ghost. I it it and like it's just that pisses me off. Yeah, and I feel like I I remember thinking that like the seeds were kind of like salt and supernatural. Mm. There are people that do that shit in Supernatural, too. Like, they'll, like, knock the line off. All of a sudden, the fucking ghost can get in there, and it's like, well, shit. And it's super annoying. It's so super annoying. annoying. And it's like, just fucking listen to these people that are trying to help you. And if I was a ghost preventer, protector, or whatever, I'd be like, okay, listen, I'm gonna help you. But you have to do what I say. If you stray from that at all, you're on your own. <laughs> I mean, and, okay, again, there, a lot's going on, it's super crazy, and I don't remember that exact scene. I think the mom might be comforting the boy and trying to make sure that he's okay after being dragged across the floor, but... I think she shaman went down, dude, She went to get a hammer. Yeah. And okay. him and the boy were the trying door. to keep the back door shut. Okay, so yeah, they were all occupied. Okay, that's right. And she just got, like, kind of distracted and, like, away from her daughter. Yes. Still, no. Also, no how sense. did the little girl know to go look out... Oh, the door blew open, right? I don't remember now. I'm trying to remember how she knew to go look outside for her fucking doll. (laughs) I saw it less than 24 hours ago, and I don't remember. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that scene... But again, like, I I don't want to... It was was a a good movie. I don't know that I could have done any better, and it's always easier to say in hindsight. Yeah, Um, don't want to nitpick. how hard would it have really been to just... I don't know, I guess it's not part of her ever-changing wheel of powers, but couldn't they have just thrown in, like, a little, like, mimicry? Like, maybe they could have made it sound like the boy was outside... Or even Raphael was outside telling her, like, just come out and get this thing. Like, I need you to get it or something like that. Like, And it was a completely moot point, too, because the very next scene, they have they have all those weird flashes, like the weird flashy scenes. And, like, you see La Llorona outside. And, like, after she she breaks the door, obviously. Like, breaks the line at the door. Yeah. Um, and then takes her out. And then, oh, well, no, there's the, that's the other thing, too. He makes the pool holy water. Mm-hmm. That's the next scene, actually. Which is pretty freaking powerful, I yeah. think. Like, yeah. Um, so they now have, what, like, a couple thousand gallons of holy water that apparently tells <laughs> her? Yeah. Get some super soakers. <laughs> um, which, that scene was actually kind of cool. Like, him actually making it into holy water. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> yeah, the um, the next scene after that, after they get her back inside and they, they repair the line or whatever, there's all these flashy scenes and La Llorona is, like, waiting outside and you see her just standing there and her veil is billowing in the wind and then they're flashing back to inside because they've locked the kids in the closet. And then, They did not lock the kids in the closet. They shut the kids in the closet. They gently shut a door that has no latches. And here comes the next part that pissed me off. Patricia comes into the fucking house. Patricia! How did she know where to go? Good point. Like, how did she fucking know where that room was? Because it was upstairs. It was, I I think it was Anna's room that they, she put them in. Um, Well, maybe they just cut out the montage of her checking every closet in the house. Just for our benefit. Maybe. Maybe. But... But they, the whole thing about that is that the point of Sam breaking the line of fire tree seeds is moot. Because fucking Patricia comes and lets La Llorona into the house ten seconds later anyway. So they didn't even need the whole doll scene. They didn't, but they needed to have some more spoopy stuff to freak us out. And the scene was spoopy. Yeah, they needed to have some more scary stuff, and it was fun. Um, One quick thing I wanted to add about the pool scene is there is no way that a flashlight from the 70s was waterproof enough to last more than two (laughs) seconds in that pool. And that was... (laughs) I know I'm I'm Victor. Technically mindset than than the rest of the 70s. (laughs) There's no way that there was gaskets inside that flashlight to keep it from immediately getting waterlogged and shutting (laughs) off. 
That's uh, back when they cared about flashlights. Yeah, they were big and heavy. And everything was orange groves. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yes, I do. I agree with you that it was a, a superfluous scene. It wasn't necessary, other than just to give us a little bit more um, creepy content and to give us yet another MacGuffin for like the holy water thing. Like, like I said, it repels her, but yet he took his time to boil her tears. I, I guess at that point when he's boiling her tears, he didn't know that the holy water was going to work, but... Did we ever get another scene with her, with tears? Him using that? He had one again? fucking vial. That was his one vial of anti-venom, as he so called it. And I don't understand why he only had one. Like, there was heaps of tears no. around Patricia's house. Heaps of them. <sighs> you go collect as much ectoplasm tears as you want. I would. <laughs> I would collect them all. Maybe like, if you collect Pokemon. too many, she comes after you. Maybe. I don't know. Like a weird homing pigeon thing. <laughs> it's like deer scent. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, so Patricia now has come into the house and is now menacing the children. They gently put them in a closet with no locks or a latch or anything. Mm -hmm. And, if I'm not mistaken, went to a different fucking room. Yeah, they, they went down into the study, into her husband's study and sat in there. Why? I don't want to protect your kids. And like, Wouldn't she, you sit with your back to the door? And they're the ones that she's coming for. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess maybe they just assumed that everything would be fine. Like, just gotta wait until dawn. Like, I guess they just assumed that things would be okay. But obviously, La Llorona doesn't have an issue finding people in where, like, whatever place they're in. Like, she has them marked. She has them fucking marked. So she knows where the kids are. And also, they did say that line again, where they put the kids in there when they first put them in the closet. And the mom, I'm pretty sure she says, I'm so sorry, but it's only until, like, just until the morning or just until dawn or something like that. And, like, little boys, like, it's okay, mom. Like, we understand. And they curl up in the closet. Why? Because we've already seen that she has no problem finding them during the day. She has yeah. no problem haunting them during the day. So why does it matter? Why yeah. is the sunlight? I get that most in most lores, phantoms and creatures and ghouls of the night are more powerful at night, but it doesn't seem to bother her at all. No, Not she really. like knocked um, the little boy. Is his name Chris? Yes. Yeah, she mm. knocked Chris off of the window seat in Sam's room with the wind yeah. during the day. Like, it was during the day that that happened. And Sam saw her for the first time during the day. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's just more difficult or if it... Or if it's just bad writing. Or just bad writing. And that I think, honestly, that that is my biggest issue with this movie was the muddled lore and the muddled powers that she had that it didn't there wasn't anything that was really well defined and that with a little bit of tweaks that could have been fine if we were learning about her lore at the same time but it seemed like Raphael seemed to understand all of her powers and seemed to understand her specific type of haunting and what repelled her and what didn't but at the same time, there was no definition given to her powers or given to how to repel her or how to break her curse or anything, really. Yeah. They were all just kind of fumbling in the dark. And like I said, that, that would have been fine if it wasn't also trying to paint this picture that he knew what he was doing. And her, I don't know, like, what was he originally trying to do keeping the boys in the closet in the in the first scene of the movie, skipping back again? What, what was he trying to do just for one more day? What was going to happen? What was who trying to do? When, whenever he puts the uh, the two little boys in the closet in the very beginning. And you mean she? No, because Raphael told her to do that. He's the one that painted the eyes. That's why all the candles oh. were there. Yeah, he's the one that told her to do it. Okay. Um, in the very beginning of the movie. And like, How he, did I miss that? I mean, he, yeah, that's why he knew where to go. You know what? He might have actually just needed to collect some tears. He might not have had access to any of her tears before that. And that's why... So he's using those little boys as bait, too? I, I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> yeah, these will keep him safe. I think I saw this on a Monopoly <laughs> box once. Yeah. 
<laughs> he's probably, honestly, like, he's just fumbling his way through shit, but that's how, I'm going back to Supernatural again, that's how all the hunters learn their shit. They kept journals, <laughs> and they just learned by doing. He's and... a little bit more dispassionate than any of the hunters in Supernatural, though. <laughs> he seems like he doesn't really care that much. I, I don't mean, know. <laughs> except for Sam and Dean, it seems like most of the, the hunters in Supernatural don't give a fuck about Like, it. RV guy, I don't think cares about much. I don't yeah. remember his name. That's true. Winston? Uh, I, as I said, I don't remember. Really. Even John Winchester didn't really seem to give a shit about people. Like sure. some people, he he did. But anyway, sorry. Tangent. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that that my biggest issue with the movie is that I liked how it kind of felt like they were fumbling their way through it. But it, at the same time, I don't think that's what they wanted us to think. I don't think that we were supposed to feel like this was a jumbled mess and they were trying to figure things out as they went. I think this was supposed to have, like any other movie, has a very specific... For example, The Ring. The lore in The Ring is very straightforward, and it follows a very predictable pattern that you can expect, and it doesn't break that pattern. But in this movie, her powers, her haunting, hauntings, the way that she manipulates the environment even... We never ever see her use her weird phantasmal force again, uh, where she was opening up the the crank windows in the car in the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. Um, like when do we well, see? Well, I that? think she opened the window in Sam's room at one point. Oh, maybe. Possibly. Um, but and she opens doors all the time. Uh, that's true. I guess she does throw the mom, but I thought that was just the wind, like because she can summon the wind too. I don't know. It just seemed like she had powers that were written to fit whatever they needed them to fit yeah. um, and weaknesses that, that fit whatever they needed it to fit i know about summoning wind i know about it right now mm-hmm. sorry mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so her powers yeah i agree they didn't make a lot of sense and going back to the closet part mm-hmm. and yeah. they didn't bother keeping on because i thought everything was going to be okay but back before they applied for help and before they really knew what was going on when she had the bat she was trying to swing around at nothing mm-hmm. she sat beside them all night yeah. While they slept until the morning. You couldn't do that one more fucking time? Hmm. Just to be sure? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if she assumed that Yorona was only going to come in through the front door again. I don't know if that was the assumption. I don't know. I have no idea. But that was really annoying that, like, she left them alone. Well, if they did assume that she was going to come in through the front door, that's where they would have been then. And they were sitting in the study. They were sitting in, like, yeah. a different and room in it. What did you say her name was? Again... Just to remind you, I am really bad with names. Sam, Patricia, Anna. Patricia. Was it the mom whose little boys died? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She would have walked right past them then. If they were watching the front door to make sure that La Llorona didn't come in, Yeah. then they would have seen her. So they weren't there. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, because she Again. doesn't she bring the, the kids downstairs and she breaks the line then? I don't understand why she didn't just fucking break the line instead of going up and getting the, the kids. Eh, I mean, focused on finding them first or whatever. But yeah, she's got the gun. Shoots Raphael. She does shoot Raphael. Vague threatening. Um, and he shrugs it the hell off like it's nothing. He does. Yeah. I mean, he groans a little bit. Um, <laughs> I guess we all would. I mean, he's a drug cartel. Oh, wait. Wrong show. Um, that would have been really funny just to watch him go crazy Tuco Salamanca on it and just flip out on him. Yeah, that, I mean, I don't know. Where's my math? If it was Tuco, he would have snorted her tears after he got it. <laughs> yeah, he would have. Well, are you saying you're out of notes? Is that what you're I saying? I stopped taking notes after the weird flashy cut scenes whenever Patricia comes in. Well, I mean, that's... Kind of the end of the movie, then. I mean, basically. Because Patricia's basically like, oh, crap, I'm not doing the right thing. I'm such an asshole. Yeah, and tells Anna to go, go get your kids that I almost murdered in cold blood. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't know what happened to her at the end of the movie, by the way. She was just fucking gone. Yeah, did but... they... Well, I mean, she was released from custody, so maybe she just pieced the fuck out. <laughs> How did she know? Because at some point she says, you, you told me that you would bring my boys back. And that was why, like, apparently... 
La Llorona can manipulate people enough, or at least she can communicate with this woman enough in this terrible mental state that she convince her that if you break this line and you go and you get these kids, I'll give you your kids back. How did she know she wasn't going to when she murdered um, the other woman's children? What was her name? Anna's, Anna's children. children. How did she know she wasn't going to do that? Like, what, what changed her mind? I don't think it was necessarily that she knew that it wasn't going to happen. I think that it was just that she got consumed with guilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, like, Anna didn't... She didn't know. So she surfaced for a minute from her grief and yeah. realized. Okay, that's more. That's that's fair. Surfaced from from her life apparently. apparently. Yeah, I but mean, she seems to have had some shit go on in her happens. life. She's seen some shit. And then there's the attic scene. Oh yeah. The kids get up into the attic and like there's Pretty that good. one kind of cool scene where like all the boxes move to the side. That um, was a really cool scene of a reverse Tetris. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then the little boy giving her the necklace back, which oh. for about five seconds. That was another point I wanted to make that I forgot and didn't write down. Anna was really fucking good at lifting shit. Specifically necklaces. Yeah. Like in the beginning <laughs> of the movie, she notices that um, Patricia's got a, a necklace, a key necklace, and in their struggle is able to lift it. While she is being threatened by someone who's going to hit her with a fucking hammer, she's able to pull this necklace off of her without her noticing and apparently still defending herself enough. And then when she's in the water, she's able to get that necklace off of La Llorona, apparently while trying to defend herself. So if you attack Anna, just keep a hold on your jewelry. Yeah, your car keys, jewelry, loose change. I don't know. I don't know how extensive her five finger discount works. But what can I say? It was the seventies. Different time. But just really impressive. I just want to say that was a yeah. skill, really underused skill. Um, also, the convenience. I think I want to say that Chris was in the closet upstairs when he heard Raphael telling. Anna to keep that necklace safe because it might come in handy. And I don't know that he even saw the necklace, but they very distinctly make it show a scene of him overhearing this conversation. Mm. And that's why he knew to use it. And it just, that was very off. Like, it didn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, he just kind of figured it out, I guess. I really hope that the microphone can't pick up the dogs. Yeah, he's snoring away. He is sawing logs over there. (laughs) He's tired. All right, I got it. I got it figured out, guys. Um, okay. I'm going to write a little bit of a prequel subplot for this movie. Okay. Anna was a, a shoplifter, a thief, and she was picked up by her husband, who I don't remember mm. his name, and that's how they met. And oh. he helped her, uh, you know, Definitely. find the error of her ways. But she still got those skills, and that's how she was able to... She was very skilled. It's very skilled. Could even take in, jewelry right off of people. Even in dire situations, was still able to keep an eye on her mark, and she was able to get it. All right. So that's solved. <laughs> so then he tries to offer the necklace to her, and that does work until he conveniently knocks the sheet that's conveniently on the mirror off of the nah, convenient mirror. It was a little girl, wasn't him? No, his hand was on it. She's slowly backing away, and she pulls it down. I'm pretty sure it was his hand. I could be wrong. I will have to go back and watch the movie, and I'm fully willing to concede this point. We will have a an update next week. Yes, whenever we will. We, uh... we don't have to. <laughs> one of us will be right. Yeah, and one of us will be wrong. <laughs> One of you will be right, one of you will be pissed. <laughs> That's I'll be the only one that remembers to go back and watch it. If I'm wrong, I'm not telling you. <laughs> then she she sees her reflection and cracks the mirror because she freaks out. And mm-hmm. then who ends up stabbing her? I Anna. believe it's Anna. Okay. Because yeah. he slides her the cross. Anna? Right, yes. Anna. Anna. Anna? Anna. Anna. Anna? Anastasia? Anna. Annie? <laughs> There's all that 
noise, and then and then she dissolves into ectoplasm. And Tears. Which, I mean, that was the only part of the movie that I didn't think was that unreasonable, because at that point, you're met with this force that can seem... Seemingly has a way around everything that you're doing to stop it. So, yeah, fuck it. Why not just stab it with whatever you got around you? Yeah, <laughs> like, seriously. At that point, why not? I'd punch it. Like a blunt piece of wood. Let's stab <laughs> that into it. It did seem like it had, like, almost like a... Uh, not pauldrons, that's what I'm looking for. Like, it had ornate carvings on the end that were fatter than the actual shaft coming off of the, the cross itself. Yeah. So it had, like... I don't know. It seemed like... <laughs> the opposite implement that you would expect to actually stab something. <laughs> Maybe, like, you know... It Perhaps was... she should have tried a spoon, or... <laughs> <laughs> she was pretty waterlogged. So maybe it was very soft. She was just kind of like also ethereal. <laughs> but it did make the chest stabbing <laughs> when she stabbed her. It did, which so is she, completely unghostlike. She was corporeal at that point. <laughs> she chose that moment to just be physical, and it was just the wrong time. Yeah. And then that's basically the end of the movie. There's this charming little scene outside where um, Anna is seeing Raph into the tax, and... Mm. It's a taxi. Can we just... Raph into the tax. I oh. wanted to say Raph into the tax. <laughs> like, you probably been saving that for... Maybe. <laughs> he was off to find the rest of the Ninja Turtles. And uh, not dress his bullet wound or anything. There was... A paper towel on it. Yes. Fine. Lightly draped on it. Um. All right, we all know he's going to go back to his uh, little shop and he's going to put some herbs on it. It's going to heal overnight because he's some kind of magic shop. Little shop. He's going to put La Llorona boogers on it or something. Um, I mean, he's got an entire full-grown woman's worth of tears that he can now put into a little jar. Because <laughs> she and it totally only melted. Works on her. She um, totally melted. He's got buckets of that stuff now. There was a scene where, like, he, he's, like, hugging them goodbye and stuff, mm. and, like, I was like, oh, I kind of wish that they'd get together. Like... Yeah, I remember saying that, too. It would have been kind of cute <laughs> if he was, like, said, like, in his weird deadpan way, said about, like, having to come back to make sure that it was okay, like, you know, can I come back for next next week to make sure it's okay and, and for dinner and have her be like, I'd like that or something like that. That would have been kind of nice, but um, I think it's not necessary in, in, in all things. Yeah. I just, I don't know, I like, he, he was cute, and just their relationship was kind of fun there towards the end, and that was basically it, that, like, I think the very last bit of the movie that we see is him driving away in the taxi, and there's no stinger. There is, technically. There is the stinger that, uh, it slowly pans down to Anna's reflection in a puddle. It doesn't yeah. mean anything. Do like, she was think? considering murdering her own children. Bah, Where are you bah, getting bah, this? Bah, <laughs> I did not get that at all. I thought they were like, is she really gone? I didn't get <laughs> anything deeper than that. Oh, no. I thought that maybe, like, somehow the spirit of La Llorona had, like, into Anna's body. And, uh, what, like, she was going to kill her children, drown uh, her children. She was, like, staring at the puddle, like, <gasps> water. and um, Maybe. Definitely more than I got from that scene. But okay. <sighs> I, if a hand had, like, shot out of the puddle or something, they would have lost two more stars right away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, I, I'd i be okay if that was a one and done. Yeah. Because with the Conjuring universe, they Annabelle now has three movies, and the Conjuring, I mean, technically, it, it wasn't the same ghost, I guess. I would like to point out La Llorona was the lowest grossing The Conjuring universe movie. Yeah. Huh. Even though, I mean, I liked it. I did. I think yep. that it only had like a 29% on Rotten Tomatoes, which was surprising to me. I should point out, probably, we should have done this earlier, but we don't really 
trust reviews a lot of times. They're a general guideline for us, but I think reviews are so subjective, even if you get an average from all parties involved. There are movies that we all love that have below 30% of Rotten Tomatoes, and there's movies that we hate that have above 90 so I believe I said something to that effect last time. You did. You did. Uh, you yeah, are right I just, next. like, I'm always very interested about, like, Rotten Tomatoes, about I'm their sure. scores on things, because I think 29% was actually the same amount that the first Annabelle movie got. Mm-hmm. The one that took place at the same, in the same time frame. Right. Um, which is kind of interesting to me. Um, but I, I kind of like this extended universe thing that they're doing. It's very slow burn, and I think that really the only connecting tissue up until this movie was um, the creatures themselves, except for, I guess, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Connecting um, tissue would be a good name for a band. It really mm. would be. It would be a name I call it. It would be like a... And the priest. Band. The priest is now connecting yes. tissue. The priest is now, but only to two different movies. Yeah. But I think He that... does. The priest in La Llorona, he references the Warrens. He does. Yeah, and, and Annabelle. There's actually a very yes. quick blip of him carrying Annabelle. Right. From um, Annabelle. Were the Warrens and Annabelle? Yeah, I don't remember. Well, this is actually a good time to mention that... Because um, I haven't seen those yet. Oh, my God. I don't hear her yet, but there's a lot of wind outside, which tells me that... Our La trash Yorona, cans are going to blow into the road. That, too. La Llorona is outside trying to get in right now, and we don't have any magic seeds. I have to fucking leave at some point, just so you know. <laughs> like out into the dark and the cold and stuff. So I'll turn the back porch light off. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. We'll open the windows so you get the the light from the the living room. <laughs> I actually. All right. Uh, well, I guess we're getting to the end here. So um, let's talk about our specific ratings. Max, want to start with you? Okay. What I liked, I, I read a lot of the reviews in Rotten Tomatoes too, which I seldom agree with. Mm-hmm. Right. But people saying there's a lot of cheap scares, a lot of cheap scares. There was some, but. A lot of the scares I felt like were really well done. Like when she's crying by the river, mm-hmm. when the boy mm. is not staying in the car, right? And she's coming, and it's it, it it just it was a good effect because it wasn't like, bah! you know what I mean? Yeah. It was just like it's creepy and it's getting creepier. Like they're slowly turning the knob up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of just like trying to spook you, so I like that. Okay. And there's a couple other scenes like that. Yeah, they definitely had some good scares. I really like the fact that this extended universe isn't quite as... And I love the Marvel movies. I love the Marvel franchise. But it's not quite as in-your-face as the Marvel movies. Like, it's kind of a slow burn where there's just a little bit of a... Where they reference things that happen in the same universe. Rather than being like, let's call over the Warrens to solve this problem. Like, it was like, they exist, but they're not here. Like, you're gonna have to do something else. Or, you know, there was this doll that was here before. Like, I like that this is an overarching extended universe where there are multiple players and multiple things and it feels like a a real world but it's not being done quite so uh, aggressively as something like um, you know the the Marvel movie. My favorite thing about the movie was Raphael and Mm. I really really hope that they bring him back for future extended universe movies for the Conjuring universe because he's such a great character and I like I honestly would watch a TV show like a supernatural-esque TV show where it's just him trying to figure out how the fuck to get rid of ghosts. That would be cool. I would watch that. It would be a lot of fun if uh, one of the next movies they plan have uh, him meet up with Ed and Lorraine Warren and they're all kind of trying to figure each other out and like his methods are very <laughs> different than theirs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's, he's quite as orthodox. No. Yeah, no, he's very like in your face and like we're going to get this ghost out of here and they're, they're like we need to approach it calmly and like... <laughs> Let's eliminate the potential for human interaction here and just mass hysteria. <laughs> and he's like, no, it's, let's use the eggs. <laughs> <laughs> we need to use these people as bait. Oh, by the by, that was one of my other favorite things. Yeah. He's making eggs. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, what's this, more eggs? And he's like, yeah, breakfast for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Is this a ritual? Yeah. yeah. Yep. I highly approve breakfast for dinner. <laughs> yep. All right, what do we like least about the movie? <laughs> Where to start? <laughs> least. Uh, pick one. What pick one. Like least? The least people asking somebody to help them and criticizing them and not fucking listening to them. Yeah. Okay. That, I'm ended. I'm done. <laughs> I know, there's... There's I could say more, but I'm not gonna. Torrents more that could be tapped there. <laughs> um, I actually was a little disappointed that she was creepy, but when we actually got to really see her, she wasn't all that creepy. Mm. Like, when you really saw her, like, she didn't do anything that was really that terrifying. And for someone who the lore is supposed to be that she drowned herself in a river after drowning her children, I kind of wanted her to look a little bit more like rotted and like waterlogged and kind of creepy and screwed up and okay. she didn't look that much to me all right um go ahead i was just say i guess the other thing about the lore is that she's beautiful so yeah yeah i, I, I only got to say one thing <laughs> she was pretty like i mean whenever she didn't whenever she didn't look terrifying well, that's the thing. That's what well, I'm saying. Well, if you look up the actress, she's very pretty. Even yeah. What I'm saying is that even when she was supposed to be terrifying, she didn't look that scary to me. But I guess she's supposed to be pretty no matter yeah. what. So I guess that isn't a very good example. That's um, fine. You don't get to pick another one because yours was crap. Done. Fine. I'm done. Kitty. <laughs> so I think that my least favorite part of the movie is just nobody coming out and fucking saying what they're thinking. Nobody being honest with, with each other from, from Patricia... Like, she, it, a part of it is that she's, like, insane and grief-struck and whatever, but she doesn't ever actually explain to Anna what the fuck is going on. Not that she'd believe her, but, you know. And, like, the kid's not being honest, and then she's not honest with um, the detective guy, and just all of it. All of it is so frustrating, and, like, it would have cut, like, 20 minutes out of the movie if people had just told each other the fucking truth. Mm. Okay, that's fair. Creepiest part? Yeah. Yeah? I actually think, for me, it was the umbrella scene, believe it or not. The, whenever she very first looks through, or whenever she's holding it up, and then she lowers it down, and, like, she's right there. I mean, that was... Well, that was kind of one of those cheap scares. Okay. Uh, but, like, yeah, when she first sees her, I'm like, ooh, that's fucking creepy. Yeah. But then when she drops the umbrella, and, like, she goes to pick it up, and it blows closer to the pool. Uh-huh. And closer to the pool. Uh-huh. And then in the pool. And I'm like, oh, I see where this is going. I thought that she was going to die within the first, like, 30 minutes of the movie. I was yeah. like, <gasps> I thought so, too. But that was, that was mine. For me, honestly, there were a couple of really good scenes, but I think the first time that we really get to see her, whenever, uh, you said his name is Chris, the yeah. little boy, whenever he sees her crying on the other side of the fence, and that first second, it really reminded me of the first time we see Gollum in The Lord of the Rings. Like, the way that her head just kind of tilts up and, like, she stops Ew, moving. Yeah. yeah. You hear her make that, like, You're sound. not wrong. And she, like, looks up at him and then just stands up. And you see that she's impossibly fucking tall. Like, maybe <laughs> it's just because the angle they shot it at or because he's small or she's hovering or what. But she looks fucking huge. <laughs> and she's, like, all, like, weeping and stuff and stops immediately. And, like, her head tilts up in an odd angle and she just sort of rises up. Yeah, I freaked out at that. <laughs> I already talked about mine, but it was the stair scene mm. and just that feeling of impending doom and like seeing her at the top of the stairs and like not being able to do anything about it and just not knowing if your your protections are going to work or what. But yeah, that that was absolutely horrifying to mm. me. All right, star rating, Max. I'm gonna give it seven out of ten. That's what I was thinking. Well, pick your own number. 
But what about creepy? Creepy? Uh, we'll dial that down to like a five, maybe. Okay. Damn it, the exact numbers that I was thinking. That's fine. <laughs> I just... It wasn't that scary of a movie. There were parts that were like, huh! but... Yeah. You know, it's not like some other movies I've seen where I, you know... Yeah, it's true. I'm actually going to dial that back a little bit and say that I would give it a 6 out of 10 overall for the movie itself. And I agree, 5 out of 10 for scary. Like, there were a couple of moments that were pretty scary, but it wasn't... I have nightmares about it. Okay. I think that, in general, I would probably give it an 8 out of 10. Like, cinematically, it was good. The characters were good. Especially Patricia and Raphael. They were my two favorite characters. And as far as creepiness goes, I'd probably give it a 6 out of 10. A, a lot of it was jump scares, but honestly, the, those do get me. <laughs> they do. Like, I I, I sit there they and I, I, like, clench up and I, like, prepare for it, and it still gets me every time. There were some legitimately creepy parts, like the umbrella scene and the stair scene and all of that stuff. So i definitely give it, like, a 6 out of 10. Also, <laughs> just kind of an aside, I think we did out of 5 stars last time. We did. We did. <laughs> Um, I would like to remind all of, of our listeners that um, we have no idea what we're doing. And we're not professionals <laughs> we and we don't prepare for shit. We literally just like scary movies and we hope that you like them too. Otherwise, you're probably not listening to the right podcast. Yeah. yeah. If you don't like horror movies, you're wasting your fucking time. Who was going to pick the movie for next week? I don't think we decided. Did anybody pick one? I didn't pick one. You picked La Llorona. Well, yeah, no, but like I didn't pick one for next week. Like I wasn't prepared for that if nobody else came up with one. Vic, didn't you say that you had one? I did, but I am perfectly willing to leave this up to the most uninteresting way to resolve this over a podcast, which is Rock, Rochambeau. Paper, Scissors. <laughs> Alright. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Okay. Max got scissors and Vic got paper. I'll let him win. <laughs> Red is mine. Dun, dun, dun! If you didn't have one pitch, why didn't you just let him go? <laughs> Okay. Alright, so I know I won rock, paper, scissors, but I'm going to take my win and say that, Victor, you pick. Well, that's very gracious of you. Whatever, just pick one. <laughs> um, Alright, so uh, I haven't seen this movie for a while, and uh, my opinions on it may have changed, so please watch it with us, and uh, we'll see where we come out. But it is a movie called Oculus. Is it Oculicious? I don't remember. That's not um, my best joke. Not Maybe yeah. we cut that one. Uh, sure. Nope, I'm leaving it in. <laughs> All your terrible jokes get stuck. <laughs> but yeah, it's a pretty great movie. Uh, I remember having some pretty creepy moments. Uh, it's a little bit more of a psychological thriller than yeah. it is uh, you know, necessarily a creepy one, but I still think it's a great movie. We but, haven't watched um, it in probably about four that's years. That's true. I should say I thought it was a good movie, so we'll see. But yeah, definitely tune in and watch it with us. Thanks for listening to Hounds of Horror. If you enjoyed our podcast and would like to know how to support us, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash houndsofhorrorpod. If you support us on Patreon, you get access to some cool Patreon-only items, or just have the satisfaction of knowing that you're helping us create more content.